Okay, we'd like to welcome you back to our current event and weekly Bible study for, it's actually September 11th, 2010. I said September 12th before, sorry about that. Uh, the, the, you know, the anniversary of the 9-11, it's kind of appropriate that we talk about the people that have openly, and, and you know, I, I know there's factions of Islam that, that um, uh, would say we, we would have nothing to do with it, but there's a lot of factions of Islam that openly want to take any type of credit for 9-11, love the fact that all those people were killed, were celebrating in the streets, were, you know, doing all manner of, of evil. And again, if, if you look at what we just looked at regarding the information that we've seen, um, you just can see how perverse this death cult religion is. And the very fact that the money that they possess... Is another thing uh, the, um, that Gabrielle lady was talking about. Their one of the ways that they're getting into America. One of the primary ways she's got a whole. Uh, it's called Act for America. She's got a whole uh, section for this on her website. Is through what they call Shahara Shahara Finance, uh, which where these Islamic um, companies and um, people with just billions of dollars come into banks and say, hey, listen, if you participate in this uh, share of finance thing uh, or, or if it's your hair compliant, these types of things, then we're going to infuse your bank with billions of dollars. Well, the love of money is the root of all evil, so, so that's all that's going to take for a lot of people to, um, to get on that bandwagon. And so, again, that's just one of the many, many things that they're doing um, to get their foot in the door. Now, here's another article here that's kind of along the same lines. It's pretty appropriate for today. It's entitled, 1,270 Architects and Engineers Reveal Hard Evidence of Explosive Demolition at the World Trade Center on 9-11. 1,270 architects and engineers. Did you see those buildings come down? If ever I saw a controlled demolition in my whole life, that was a controlled demolition. They came down right in their own, what they call, footprint. Buildings just don't come down like that on their own. Steel, reinforced buildings just don't come down like that on their own. And again, if you want to see more about that, just key in Loose Change 9-11 on YouTube, and you can watch that video. The Arizona representative for architects and engineers for 9-11 Truth, Pamela Senzi, invites the press to join her at Congressman Ed Pastor's office on Thursday, September 9th, that was a couple days ago, to hear about the group's shocking findings. On Thursday, September 9, 2010, at 10 a.m., Pamela Senzi will present the findings of architects and engineers for 9-11 Truth, proving that all three of the skyscrapers that fell on September 11, 2001 in New York City were destroyed by controlled demolitions. Remember, this is 1,270 architects and engineers that are on board with this. And they're just one group that has tried to expose this. Don't think this is going to get any airtime, though. Okay, this is stuff you have to, you know, somewhat either be on the right mailing list or dig for. Constituent Dina Johnson will read a statement by uh, Architects and Engineers for 9-11 Truth, founder Richard Gage, along with former Alaska Senator Mike Gravel. Gage will be holding a press conference at the National Press Club in Washington, D.C. at 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the same day. Hey, why wasn't this all over the news? It's anniversary 9-11, right? Why wasn't this all over the news? I mean, this is former Alaskan Senator Mike Gravel, National Press Club they were speaking at, Congressman Ed Pastor. You would think 
with these types of names endorsing this, this might make the news. I didn't see it anywhere. Of course, I don't have cable TV at, at this point or anything like that, but I sure didn't see anything about it on the internet other than what I got from this. Um, architects and engineers for 9-11 truth supporters such as Pamela and Dina will be hosting press conferences worldwide in support of the main conference in Washington. You can contact pa- Pamela Senzi at 602-973-5546 um, and then also a guy named Lance Sapelia at 480-899-0650. Again, this is all going to be in the PDF that I will post up on the internet at contendingfortruth.com. Uh, under the the date for I believe nine nine eleven. Oh, the reason I did uh, I said nine eleven is because normally I'm doing this on Saturday. Normally I do my teachings on Sunday. Tomorrow would be nine twelve. So that's why I got my my dates a little bit mixed up. So um, it pro- it'll be up there under uh, the date for nine eleven. I also give you all the links that they give you to the Architects and Engineers for Truth. The findings that they had. I'm not going to get into the findings because we just don't have enough time today to go into them. But suffice it to say, you know, you can go up there and do some research on that, and um, it's pretty a pretty easy thing to actually get your eyes open to at this point. Next article: Feds give the Department of Defense child porn buyers a pass. Report says only a handful are even investigated. This is from World Daily Net, uh, September 7th. Of this year, a new report documents how the federal government busy suing Arizona for upholding national law regarding illegal aliens. Because remember, they're doing that. Well, they're busy doing that, but they've ignored all but a handful of documented cases of the purchase of child pornography by workers at the Department of Defense. Wow! Now that is. Again, we get into this hypocrisy here. The report comes from Yahoo News, which said. The information comes from a 2006 Immigration and Customs Enforcement Review of the online purchases of child pornography. The report said the investigation discovered more than 250 workers, both civilian and military, in the Department of Defense who charged child pornography on their credit cards or used their PayPal accounts. Golly! However, only a handful even were investigated. Defining, uh, citing the Department of Defense records. The report said Project Flickr worked, work provided to ICE investigators, that's immigration guys, and the names and the credit card informations of 5,000 Americans, including those who gave, the, gave military email addresses when they bought the pornography. Uh, so, Again, this is unbelievable, but just more more of the same stuff that we tend to report to on a weekly basis. Judith Reisman, who is the author of Sexual Sabotage, How One Mad Scientist Unleashed a Plague of Corruption and Contagion on America, said the case, and I'm assuming she's referring to uh, Kinsey, who we've talked about a lot in times past, that devil pedophile that started the modern-day child pornography industry, essentially, uh, and legitimized it in America through psychiatry. Uh, she says the case recalls the securities officials and scores of other in- institutional leaders, including President Bill Clinton. Um, so she goes on to say, so pornography is not addictive. And what people do in the privacy of their own homes is nobody's business, she said. A significant number of these criminal addicts will have been sexually victimizing children, their own and others. I mean, if somebody's going to do that with child pornography, I think the point she's trying to make is that there's a good chance they're, they're molesting 
either their own kids or other kids in real life. I mean, come on. I mean, one thing leads to another. Um, she goes on to say, when I completed my study of the 1985 images of children, crime, and violence in Playboy, Penthouse, and Hustler, I predicted a massive increase in child sexual abuse and a mimicking of child pornography in Playboy and its satellite stations. When I was a kid in the 1940s living in a Christian moral environment, America was laughed at by Europeans as a child-centered society. But in the post-Kinsey era, we are a child abuse society. So which one do we really prefer? And then I give you four links here regarding Kinsey. Now I've done a whole study on child pornography um, that you can key in on contendingfortruth.com. There's a search box there. If you can't find it there, if, you're, if there's a subject you can't find, go up to YouTube and key in Scott Johnson and whatever the name of the subject is you're trying to find, you'll probably find it there. Uh, I also give you the links to my two... Well, it was actually a 10-part study on child pornography. It was horrific. I hated doing the study, but I felt like I had to do it. Just like what we exposed today about these Muslims. has to be said, somebody has to go to bat. Now, I'm not saying I'm the only one. I'm just saying we need to go to bat for little children and for women that are being abused and innocent and, me, and people that can't defend themselves. You know, where the Bible talks about true religion is this, when you visit the widows and their affliction, and the fatherless, you know, those that can't defend themselves. Well, those of us that can defend ourselves and defend them, we need to speak up for them. Because that is the Christian thing to do. You know, I mean, we're not just supposed to sit back and let wickedness abound and, and so it's not my problem, you know. Just not the stance I think we want to take. Next article. Holy book burning spark. Hypocrisy. A pro-family organization says it's hypocritical for high-ranking officials in the Pentagon. Now, who did we just talk about? The Pentagon. The one, the DOD and the Pentagon that were not prosecuting all these child pornography cases. But you know what? Now the Pentagon, all of a sudden, it's found morals. It's found, it's found uh, morals because now... Um, the Pentagon's condemning the Florida church plans to burn the Quran when the U.S. military personnel burned Bibles last year in Afghanistan. Did you know that? It was okay when they burned Bibles in Afghanistan. Now, what I'm doing here is I'm presenting both sides of the story. I realize the book burning's been called off, but enough people emailed me about this that I'm just going to kind of put out a couple different stories and just kind of look at it from a couple different angles here. But the Pentagon, of all people, the ones we just reported on that, that aren't prosecuting the child pornography... And, and permitted, openly permitted uh, the burning of Bibles last year in Afghanistan. What right do they have to even comment on this burning of the Quran? You know? Pastor Terry Jones told reporters outside his church in Gainesville Wednesday afternoon that he remains unconvinced that backing down is the right thing to do. Uh, regarding the planned burning of the Qurans on Saturday, that protest has drawn objection from General David Petraeus, the top U.S. NATO commander who says image, images of burning Qurans will used by extremists to inflame public opinion and incite worldwide. Again, we're always trying to appease the Muslims. We're always trying to appease that wonderful, wonderful religion of peace death cult that has its basis in pedophilia. Earlier today on ABC's Good Morning America, President Barack Obama then criticized the event, calling it a stunt, warning it would become a recruitment bonanza for al-Qaeda. Other notable Obama administration officials, including Defense Secretary Robert Gates, Secretary of State Hillary Clinton, all these people that are weighing on this, that are against it, they're some of the most wicked people on the planet. Obama, Clinton, I mean, the Pentagon, and look at what they just did. I mean, it just kind of gets you thinking a little bit there, you know? 
Um, but Brian Fisher, director of the Issues Analysis and American Family Association, thinks it is the height of hypocrisy for U.S. government to condemn the church, considering the fact, condemn this church that was going to burn Korans, considering the fact that the U.S. military itself incinerated Bibles that were sent to Afghanistan in May of 2009. Um, Bibles Back in 2009, Bibles were printed in native dialects, were shipped to American servicemen stationed in Afghanistan, intended for free dis- distribution to interested Afghanis. When out of the mainstream media outlets caught wind of this plan, a, they raised a fuss. Military brass, in order to not offend the delicate sensitivities of the Muslims, confiscated all of the Bibles and burned them. Yeah. Again, I've said this before, but if this don't get you fired up, your wood's wet. And I mean, all the stuff that we're talking about today. Yes, the government of a supposed Christian nation burned the Bibles to a crisp. They weren't even returned to the U.S., so they might be distributed to Afghani refugees on American soil. So much for the free exercise of religion under the American control. There is a reason you probably forgot about all of this. Or never heard of it at all in the first place. Christians don't riot and throw bombs when their holy book is burned to ashes, even when it is done in their own government, by their own government. It doesn't mean we shouldn't get mad about it, though, because I think that that's something we should be up in arms about. But now, a lone pastor of a small church just threatens to burn the holy books of, of Muslims, and it's Armageddon. Protests ensue. Rocks are thrown at military vehicles. Death threats are issued to Pastor Jones, America itself, and to President Obama, just for being president while all this was going on. They're ready to just, you know, kill us all over this one incident. And yet, they can do all those atrocities that we just mentioned. But that's okay. That's okay. We can't say anything because it's not politically correct. And again, I would say, channel... The Bible says, be, be ye angry and sin not. I would channel your righteous indignation, which is an attribute of God, on your knees regarding this issue. Because I'm telling you, if ever I've seen God's hand move, that's when he moves. When I get angry in prayer on my knees, and I'm not saying I'm praying that God kill them all, I'm just saying focus that righteous indignation in prayer. I'm not saying that's the way you always pray, because it's obviously not. But sometimes, you know what? Righteous indignation is an attribute of God. Be ye angry and sin not. I'm telling you that um, I think that um, the Lord would love to see more of that from born-again Bible-believing Christians. I really do. Because this should get us mad. You know, if we have a pulse, this type of stuff that I got into just now and in the last session, that don't get you upset, Matt. I mean, it's gut-wrenching as well. It's horrific. It's incomprehensible. Um, but the Lord can move and, and he can make a, uh, you know, he can make a way where there seems to be no way and he can intervene in these situations and, uh, intervene on the behalf of these poor little innocent, um, girl, little girls and, and, and women that are subjected to this and, and the little boys that they're brainwashing into this death cult. You know, God can, but if we don't know to pray about it, how's anything ever going to really change? I mean, yeah, God could do it independently of us, but that's typically not the way he works. So, uh, let's go further here. Uh, this, of course, is, ex- is exactly the calm, measured reaction you would expect from what everybody tells us is a religion dedicated to moderation, tolerance, harmony, and the well-being of all mankind. 
I mean, that describes Islam, right? I mean, don't you think, after what I just said? Um, then it goes on to say, he says, there's really a staggering level of hypocrisy. And again, I've done another study, beside the one I just listed, called The Double Face of Islam. You can look that up. And then The Hypocrisy of Islam. That's what I see as the earmark of this religion. The hypocrisy is unlike anything I've ever witnessed. Uh, so there's a staggering level of hypocrisy and double standards here for the military to burn the Holy Bible. Uh, and now they're in reference to the military. To burn the Holy Bible and then complain when a pastor is going to do the same thing to a Quran, Fisher contends. You know, if the military was going to be fair here and even-handed, they would count up the number of Holy Bibles they incinerated in Afghanistan and then they would allow Reverend Jones to burn the same number of Qurans. <laughs> it's an interesting approach. The AFA issues analysis director believes the whole incident il- illustrates the difference between Christianity and Islam. When these Bibles were burned in May of 2009, the Christian community did not ride in the streets. They did not threaten violence against anyone, uh, he points out. But when the threat of the Qurans being burned takes place, it's like we're dealing with Armageddon or World War III. Good point. Now here's, here's counterpoint. Counterpoint, this guy's from Colin Hart, director of the Christian Institute. Um, he says, in today's news, there's confusion over Pastor Terry Jones of Florida in the U.S., w- whether he will go ahead on the burning of the Quran on 9-11. Well, we know that didn't happen. Whether he does it or not, his Quran burning idea is wrong, provocative, and dangerous. Like many, I am concerned about the growing influence of Islam. I am concerned that militant Islamic pe- belief in political domination is a threat to liberty to us all, but the answer isn't the burning of these books. If copies of the Quran are burned by those who claim to be Christian, this will encourage Muslims to read. Will this consider Muslims to, to um, read and consider the Bible? Hardly. He says it will almost certainly make it more dangerous for Christians living in Muslim-majority countries, and our brave servicemen serving in Iraq, Afghanistan, will also be put to a greater mortal risk. The Bible tells us, in as much as possible, to live peaceably with all men, as far as it depends upon you. In a democracy, we can debate, we can protest, we can seek to persuade, but we must not deliberately provoke to anger or violence. Well, he brings up a good point. You know, I mean, I can't say he didn't bring up a good point, too. It's just a matter of, you know, it didn't end up happening, and evidently the guy that was, the pastor that was going to do it said that whatever he was trying to accomplish was accomplished by actually drawing attention to this. Um, this situation. I, I don't know if that was exactly the right way. To be quite honest with you, like what we what we reported on today in the first half of this, all of the pedophilia, to me, that's the main thing I would want to key on. Right there. Let's expose the Muslim religion from, from, from its foundational principles. Muslim Muhammad, who's the guy that started the, the, this death cult, was a pedophile. Openly a pedophile. And there's open records of it. And his followers have, have been pedophiles throughout hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years. Look at the way they've treated women. Look at the way they've treated little girls. Look at how they rape, they can rape babies. Look at what Ayatollah Khomeini did. I think we should key on that. Not so much on, you know, I'm going to go out and, and burn a whole bunch of Qurans. I mean, to be quite honest with you, if I had four or five hundred of those things, they'd be up in flames in a heartbeat. But I don't think I'd have a news conference where I'd be saying, I'm going to do it. I mean, to me, they're a cursed book. I wouldn't want a cursed book in my house. That's why I would burn them, okay? I would take a little bit different approach in regard to, I'd key on the stuff we're keen on today, because the evidence is absolutely and totally overwhelming 
regarding this. It's not my opinion here. So anyway, just, just my little thought there. Let's go to the next article. This is on Glenn Beck and the Mormon teachings on the Native Americans. Uh, this was from a listener, Nate. He said, I was listening to your recent audio and you were talking about Glenn Beck and his rally for America. In it, he said something about a Native Americans being God's chosen people. Did you remember that in the, in the thing? And, and then he said, you were wondering what he meant by that because they were a pagan cultural spiritualist. And I, I really didn't know what he meant when he said that. Well, he says, well, I was watching this cartoon that kind of tells the story for, of what Mormons believe. And in it, they mention that the Mormons believe that Native Americans are Israelites and that Jesus appeared to them. Watch the short cartoon and see what I'm talking about. It's pretty ridiculous. Hope this helps. And so he gives me the uh, link to this, and I'm going to play the uh, I'm going to play this cartoon. And below the link, I give you like from seconds 20 to 45. Everything in this video that we're playing is all footnoted, documented out of their teachings. Okay, this isn't like some propaganda thing against the Mormons. This is what they teach. And I give you, like, seconds 20 to 45. Um, if you want to get confirmation of the information in that thing, you go to the King Follett Discord, History of the Church of Mormonism, Volume 6, page 302 to 317. And then, uh, then the... Uh, sections for 54 seconds to one minute, Abraham 3. And then it goes on and on and on and on. The whole thing is documented. So again, this isn't my opinion. And the caption under the cartoon reads, I guess this video has been getting removed from YouTube because Mormons don't like people to know about their less popular teachings. I can see why they really wouldn't want this thing being up on the internet. He says, I'm uploading this video to keep the information available. Mormons have been... Com- Complaining that these are not taught by their religion, but a source of this video provided references to Mormon literature for every claim they made below, which I did list. So again, I'm going to go ahead and play this now. Okay, so here's the video. Mormonism teaches that trillions of planets scattered throughout the cosmos are ruled by countless gods who once were human like us. They say that long ago on one of these planets, to an unidentified god and one of his goddess wives, a spirit child named Elohim was conceived. This spirit child was later born to human parents who gave him a physical body. Through obedience to Mormon teaching and death and resurrection, he proved himself worthy and was elevated to godhood as his father before him. Mormons believe that Elohim is their heavenly father and that he lives with his many goddess wives on a planet near a mysterious star called Kola. Here the god of Mormonism and his wives through endless celestial sex produced billions of spirit children. To decide their destiny, the head of the Mormon gods called a great heavenly council meeting. Both of Elohim's eldest sons were there, Lucifer and his brother Jesus. A plan was presented to... Now notice, Lucifer and his brother Jesus. I remember what we had said before about this, is they're very open that this is what they believe in their core doctrine. And it was funny, we were going down the road the other day, I was talking to Taylor, I said, you know, isn't it funny that so many of these cults, 
particularly the ones that have started since like the late 1800s, like the Seventh-day Adventists by Ellen G. White, and then you got the Mormonisms, Mormonism by Joseph Smith, and then uh, the Jehovah Witnesses, and, and all of these cults that started, they say, and are very dogmatic, that theirs is the only way to heaven, or wherever they say they're going to go. And I thought, you know, the audacity of these cults to actually come out and say this, basically what they're saying is that everybody before us that ever lived, that didn't have this knowledge, they all went to hell. Only us privileged few that happen to find this particular cult are the ones that are actually worthy of heaven. What audacity. What does that boil back to? Pride. Pride goeth before a fall, and a haughty spirit before destruction. And and this is what these cults are based upon. They're uh, particularly Mormonism, like this moral uprightness that we're so good and we're so much better and we're going to attain to this thing. It's just it's an abomination. But let's go further. Build planet Earth, where the spirit children would be sent to take on mortal bodies and learn good from evil. Lucifer stood and made his bid for becoming savior of this new world. Warning the glory for himself, he planned to force everyone to become gods. Opposing the idea, the Mormon Jesus suggested giving man his freedom of choice, as on other planets. The vote that followed approved the proposal of the Mormon Jesus, who would become savior of the planet Earth. Enraged, Lucifer cunningly convinced one-third of the spirits destined for Earth to fight with him in revolt. Thus, Lucifer became the devil and his followers the demons. Sent to this world, they would forever be denied bodies of flesh and bone. Those who remained neutral in the battle were cursed to be born with black skin. This is the Mormon explanation for the Negro race. Did you hear that? (laughs) Did you hear that? That is the Mormon explanation for the Negro race. The ones that remain neutral and they were cursed to be... Uh, I mean, you know, we're talking some serious, serious uh, stuff here they're, they're making accusations on. The spirits that fought most valiantly against Lucifer would be born into Mormon families on planet Earth. These would be the lighter-skinned people, or white and delightsome, as the Book of Mormon describes them. Early Mormon prophets taught that Elohim and one of his goddess wives came to Earth as Adam and Eve to start the human race. Thousands of years later, Elohim, in human form once again, journeyed to Earth from the star-based Kolob, this time to have sex with the Virgin Mary, in order to provide Jesus with a physical body. Man, I'm telling you, we're getting into some rank blasphemy now. But this is this is what they believe at their core doctrine. And again, it's something that needs to be exposed. Mormon apostle Orson Pratt taught that after Jesus Christ grew to manhood, he took at least three wives, Mary, Martha, and Mary Magdalene. Through these wives, the Mormon Jesus, for whom Joseph Smith claimed direct descent, supposedly fathered a number of children before he was crucified. Now again, now we get into more rank blasphemy. And we get into a lot of the things like with the Da Vinci Code and with Holy Blood, Holy Grail and with the Merovingian bloodline and with the lost tomb of Jesus and a lot of these uh, things 
that I've exposed in times past. Lost Tomb of Jesus. There was another one that was called Bloodline. Um, and what is this all trying to do? What it's all trying to do is to get us to totally question, number one, the word of God, the deity of Jesus Christ, get us doubting him as our Lord and Savior. Um, they're trying to put him on the level of, of some perverse man, is what they're trying to do. And this cult teaching that has become very, very popular in modern day, uh, in, in the modern day um, that we live in, is basically taught that, you know, Jesus had, in this case, three wives. There's some versions that he had just Mary Magdalene. They migrated up into the uh, European nations. He had more children. And th- this was the start of what they call the Merovingian bloodline, which is one of the actual 13 families of the Illuminati that supposedly can trace all of its lineage to all the princes and princesses in the Europe region, or a lot of them at least, if nothing else. Uh, this is what they teach. They actually taught that Mary Magdalene was the actual Holy Grail because she was the receptacle of the seed of their Jesus that they wanted them to believe. Okay, so they taught that she was the actual Holy Grail herself. Uh, it really, really sick, disgusting abominations. But this is being shoved down a lot of people's throats in a lot of different ways. Mormonism teaches this. Holy Blood, Holy Grail teaches it. Um, a lot of the New Age teaches this. Uh, uh, Lost Tomb of Jesus teaches that there's all these different things where they're trying to, to do this to get us to doubt the God of the Bible. So let's go further. According to the Book of Mormon, after his resurrection, Jesus came to the Americas to preach to the Indians, who the Mormons believe are really Israelites. Thus the Jesus. Okay, so that's why the Mormons would believe. That's why Glenn Beck would get up there and say that these are God's chosen people. Because the Israelites of the Bible were, were many times referred to that. So this is how Glenn Beck could say that this is why they... And I had no idea until I watched this little cartoon. And, that, and my listener sent me that. So again, we all learn stuff every day. ...of Mormonism established his church in the Americas as he had in Palestine. year 421 AD, the dark-skinned Indian Israelites, known as Lamanites, had destroyed all of the white Nephites in a number of great battles. The Nephites' records were supposedly written on golden plates and buried by Moroni, the last living Nephite in the hill Cumorah. Now, Moroni actually is the chief, I believe, is the chief fallen angelic deity that reign, rules and reigns over Mormons from a spiritual fallen angelic standpoint. Moroni. That's well known. So it's, it's interesting they use that uh, in this thing. Now remember, this is we, we battle not against flesh and blood, but against princes, principalities, okay, rules of wickedness in high places. This is just, this is the actual fallen angelic deity that actually rules and reigns. Every cult has their own I believe fallen angel. In uh, in hierarchy of demons and devils and fallen angels that rule and reign over them, that 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 motivate the people in these cults, that guide the people in these cults, and again, that's truly where our prayer should be should be directed. Um, let's go further. 
1,400 years later, a young treasure seeker named Joseph Smith, who was known for his tall tales, claimed to have uncovered these same gold plates near his... Remember, he was known for his tall tales. He was a liar. ...home in upstate New York. He is now honored by Mormons as a prophet because he claimed to have had visions from the spirit world in which he was commanded to organize the Mormon church because all Christian creeds were an abomination. Okay, so again, if, if you've put your trust in the Mormon religion, you've put your trust in a guy who was a habitual liar. He was a Freemason, and what he did is he stole the secrets of the Freemasons, and he, and he repackaged them in the Mormon temple rites. That's all Mormonism is. It's repackaged Freemasonry. And the Freemasons were the ones that killed him at the end of his life because he violated the blood oaths that he took within the... I, I, I'm assuming he was a 33rd degree Freemason. I don't know how far his degrees he got. But it doesn't matter. Even if he was a first degree initiate, he would still take a blood oath. Basically saying, you know, if I do this, I'll have my entrails ripped out of my body and my brain exposed to the sun and my, you know, all those wonderful blood oaths the, the uh, Freemasons take. So, again, this is who you're putting your trust in. Cursed be the man that trusteth in man, that maketh flesh his arm, and whose heart departeth from the Lord. If the blind leadeth the blind, they will both fall into a ditch. And this religion was started by a spiritually destitute, perverse, blind man who was in, into occultism. It was Joseph Smith who originated most of these peculiar doctrines which millions today believe to be true. By maintaining a rigid code of financial and moral requirements and through performing secret temple rituals for themselves and the dead, the Latter-day Saints hope to prove their worthiness and thus become gods. And again, it's all about, and you know, they're trying to attain godhood. Every cult on the planet is based in works. you got to do this and you got to do this to wherever you're trying to attain to, whether it be paradise, nirvana, godhood, Satanists would say hell. Uh, whatever, wherever you say you're trying to get to, it's all works based. Whereas, born again Bible believing Christianity, based out of the Bible, says for you're saved by grace through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Jesus Christ said, "I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me." For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth on Him should not perish but have everlasting life. So again. Bible-believing, born-again salvation is far different from any kind of works-based religion. Now, I've done a whole teaching on salvation. Uh, if you want to hear that, uh, which is probably the most important teaching I've ever done, just go up to contendingfortruth.com, key in salvation in the keyword search box, or YouTube, go up to uh, uh, YouTube, key in Scott Johnson salvation, and you, you can hear that. And again, if you have any doubt about your own salvation, that's the first thing you need to be doing. You don't need to be concentrated on anything I'm even saying today. You need to do that first because, you know, we don't know how long we have on this earth. This isn't something that you ever want to put off for one moment. Um, so anyway, I just wanted to mention that. Let's go further. The Mormons teach that everyone must stand at the final judgment before Joseph Smith, the Mormon Jesus, and Elohim. So, so... This this occultist guy that started the Mormon religion who just took Freemasonry and repackaged it and, and then came up with his own cult belief system and totally uh, started this through occultism, essentially. 
that's who we're going to appear before, the, the Mormons. Joseph Smith, their version of a Jesus and Elohim. I mean, you talk about a guy that had a gigantic ego. I don't even see how the guy could get through the door. His head would be so big, I would imagine. Those Mormons who were sealed in the eternal marriage ceremony expect to become polygamous gods in the celestial kingdom, rule over other planets, and spawn new families throughout eternity. The Mormons thank God for Joseph Smith, who claimed that he had done more for us than any other man, including Jesus Christ. The Mormons believe that he died as a martyr, shed his blood for us, so that we too, may become gods. Now that's blasphemous. So they have elevated Joseph Smith over Jesus Christ, which is something that's very typical in these, just one more death cult that we're exposing today. He has usurped the rightful place of Jesus Christ in their particular uh, religion. And, uh, you know... What can you say? It, it, it's it just it, it's hard to uh, put into words the blasphemy that we've just heard. But again, I, this whole video was referenced. I give you all the references in the in the uh, PDF that will be available online at contendingfortruth.com under the teaching for 9-11-2010. And then we're going to look a little bit more at this issue and more a little bit more at Glenn Beck right now. Uh, now, Romans, verse 16, 17, and 18 says, Now I beseech you, brethren, mark them, we're supposed to mark them, which cause division and offenses contrary to the doctrine which ye have learned. Well, would you say that Joseph Smith would fall under that category? Because he says, they, I mean, they use a King James Bible, right? Well, they also use the Pearl of Great Price in the Book of Mormon. And the Pearl of Great Price in the Book of Mormon actually have precedence over the Bible. Did you want to say something? So they've they've got it, it's kind of funny how these cults they've always got other quote holy books that actually override the Bible. So wherever there's a contradiction and there's probably thousands, well we can just refer back to our more current prophetical theology, which in their case would be the Book of Mormon and the Pearl of Great Price and whatever other crazy teachings they've got, in order to fall back on that. Okay, And now I've done a whole teaching on Mormonism as well, where we dedicated a whole teaching. You can just key that in at the search box on contendingfortruth.com. Where the Bible says, Now I beseech you therefore, brethren, mark them which cause division and offenses, contrary to the doctrine which you have learned, and avoid them. For they that are such serve not our Lord Jesus Christ. Obviously the Mormonism does not serve our Lord Jesus Christ in any way, shape, or form, but their own belly. What does that mean? When, it's, when the Bible refers to their own belly, it refers to their own carnal, fleshly desires. And by good words and fair speeches deceive the hearts of the simple. So, good words and fair speeches, I mean, just look at Smiley Joel Osteen. You know, he's got good words and fair speeches. And there's a lot of people that are gifted orders. They can get up there and, you know, public speaking and this and that. And, and yet, what did Joseph Smith do for humanity? Well, he's going to be responsible for millions and millions and millions of deluded Mormons going to hell. That's his legacy on this planet. And again, it's something we should look at our own selves. What's, what's my legacy on this planet? What have I done for the Lord? And, and this is something where we examine our own selves. But, you know, in a cult like this, and in all of these types of cults, whether they be a Muslim imam or Joseph Smith or Ellen G. White or whoever, whatever 
you know, cult leader they may be, they're, I, I can't imagine the punishment in hell, all of the blood that you know, could be on their hands. Look, I mean, you, and then you look at guys like Hitler and Stalin and Pol Pot and these just evil devils who slaughtered millions and millions of, of people. Um, it, it's really a scary thought if, if you start thinking about that. Um, so anyway, let's go further. We're going to play a clip now from Glenn Beck. And this is his testimony on his experience in the Mormon church. Okay, so I'm going to go ahead and play this video here. And uh, it's talk show, Glenn, talk show host Glenn Beck talks about the conversion to the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, which is actually my, more my favorite name. I'm more than Muslim, or, or I'm sorry, Mormon. Uh, might as well be Muslim. Uh, how dare they invoke the name of Jesus Christ? You talk about another gospel and another Jesus they preach. And the Bible says in regard to that type of doctrine, let them be accursed. And truly, if if you um, you know if you're a member of this church, you are literally under a curse because this is a cursed church. Uh, this goes on to say this tells how the Mormon Church and the Mormon beliefs have impacted his family, his career, and his life overall. So now remember, this is all this flowery. Oh, this what this did for me, and this and that. What is it going to matter when he plunges into hell? What is it going to matter that this false religion gave him some kind of moral? fortitude to become a better person. The, the Bible says there is a way which seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. And the Mormonism is truly a religion that seemeth right unto a man sometimes. And you're going to hear this weak, weak testimony of how he actually got into the church. It's so weak, I, I couldn't believe that I figured he was like brought up this way. No. It's kind of very, very weird. Um, how this all transpired in his life. So let's go ahead and listen to this. The way I treated people or the things I did in my life, I, I still blush at times, uh, try to let it go. But by the time I was 30, I was uh, friendless, uh, working in the smallest market in radio I had ever worked in. Um, I mean, even at 15 years old. Um, <clears throat> hopeless alcoholic, uh, using drugs every day. My... Uh, Family was just a shambles. The, the biggest change was I was um, trying to find a job. Nobody would hire me. Nobody believed that I really changed my ways and couldn't get an agent to represent me or anything. I looked for about two years to try to find an entrance into talk radio. And my uh, wife, actually, wife-to-be, uh, said she wouldn't marry me unless uh, we had a religion that we shared. And I said, well, I can't do organized religion. It's all about manipulation and power. So the wife lays down the gauntlet and says, I won't marry you unless we share a religion. What does that mean? Shares a religion? Well, I guess it could be Buddhism, Hinduism whatever ism there's a lot of isms out there they just picked mormonism i mean you know what they should have done they should have just got a dartboard and put like instead of like where you know you get 50 or 100 or 20 points on a dartboard just put different religious little things in there and just start throwing darts you know maybe a best two out of three something like that i mean that's basically what they're describing here I mean, what a, what a profound 
you know, thing to, oh, you gotta be, we gotta have some religion. You know, a little bro cream religion, a little dabble do ya, you know? Well, that's exactly what we're talking about here, evidently, so let's go further. Money and everything else. And she said, well, I'm not gonna marry you. And so, you know, like every guy does with absolutely no spine, I said, okay, we'll go to find a church. And we went on a church tour and we, we went. So he admitted he was spineless. He admitted his wife was really the one pretty much calling the shots in regard to his conversion into the Mormon religion. He admitted it, okay? So, let's go further. I went to everything. I mean, I went to churches where, um, and I'm not kidding, the sermon on Sunday was delivered by an atheist, uh, which was an interesting concept. Okay, so he went to a universe, uh, universal Unitarian church because they have anything goes there. I mean, I've seen bumper stickers on Universal Unitarians where it says clergy, and then it has the gay flag next to it. I mean, you can literally have an atheist in a Universalist Unitarian church, and it's no problem. I'd almost guarantee you that's where he went to, um, you know, find this out. Okay, so again, um, let's go further. Um, But, uh, you see, my wife actually said, I'd like one that actually, you know, Believes in God. Um, but a friend of mine called me and said, you know, how long have we been, been friends? And I said, why? And he said, well, you really going on a church tour? And I said, oh, freak boy, calm down. I ain't going to your church. He's a Mormon. And I said, there is no way I'm going to be a Mormon. And he said, you owe it to me and my friendship. We've been friends through thick and thin for 20 years. You owe it to me to go one Sunday. And I said, okay, what time? And he said, nine to noon. Now, this is a very common ploy among Mormons, Jehovah Witnesses, anyone trying to recruit into their cult. Uh, You owe it to me. They'll do something for you, and then they expect the favor. Now, I almost got sucked into the whole Jehovah Witness thing when I was a little baby Christian. And let me tell you something, what that guy did, he was a patient of mine, and I had helped him, and then he volunteered to do some work on my computer for free, I let him do it, and then after that he sprung it on me, where he said, oh, all I'm asking you is you can bring your Bible, I had a wonderful living translation, which actually has cuss words in it, and uh, he says, you can come to my house on my ground, and we're going to have a Bible study. Well, guess what? He cleaned my clock. You know what he did? You know what they'll do? They'll take you to the most remote verses in the Bible and try to totally destroy your faith right off the bat. You know what he tried to get me to do? He tried to get me convinced that Jesus Christ and Michael the Archangel were the same thing. See, that's what Jehovah Witnesses believe. Whereas Mormons believe Lucifer and um, Jesus Christ are brothers, the Jehovah Witnesses believe that Michael the Archangel and Jesus are the same thing. And they'll take it to these remote verses they isolate to the exclusion of the rest of the Bible to get you to doubt your faith. Because let's face it, if he can get you to doubt your faith in Jesus Christ, what is your faith based on? He had me going. I mean, um, he really rocked me really hard. And I was at his house on his... and. It, Trust me, there's a spiritual dynamic that takes place when you go into the house of a Jehovah Witness or into the or into the Mormon Church. Glenn Beck didn't owe that guy that. You don't owe you don't owe a cult member anything. I don't care how nice they've been to you. You don't owe them a thing as far as bonding with them on a religious standpoint. Share the gospel, pray for them, but don't 
uh, be unequally yoked together with unbelievers, as 2 Corinthians 6.14 says. For what communion hath righteousness with unrighteousness, and what concord have Christ with Belial, which is the devil. You do not want to have a concord, meaning an agreement with them. And the Bible talks about, you know, if, if any come to your house and, and they preach not this doctrine, you no, know, don't bid them Godspeed even, lest ye be partakers of his sin. So I don't think that you should invite Mormons or Jehovah Witnesses into your house. I don't see any Bible for it. Okay? If you want to deal with them outside of your house, that's one thing. But I'd be real cautious about bringing a Mormon or a Jehovah Witness person into your house. Remember, there's demons coming in with them into your house, and you're inviting them in. Do you ever notice about these vampire shows they got nowadays, or shows about people that are real wicked, or those things I've seen in times past on these black-eyed people that show up? You know what the biggest common denominator they always have in all of these shows? You have to invite them into your house for them to have power over you or for them to have their way with you or for them to kill you. You have to invite them into your house. Be very careful who you're inviting into your house and what objects you may be bringing into your house. Because if you bring cursed objects into your house, it's going to affect you spiritually. And you're not even going to see it because you don't see spirits. And if you do see spirits, then you need to, <laughs> that's not a real good thing either, typically, because you've probably had your third eye open, and that's not a good thing, okay? I understand God can show spirits, and he showed people in the Bible at certain times, but it isn't something we should just be walking around seeing spirits and devils and demons and things like that all around us. That's not a real good sign. So anyway, I just wanted to clarify that point. Let's go further with Glenn Beck now. Oh my gosh, three hours, what are you, insane? I say, you know, if your God can't get it done in one hour like everybody else's God, he ain't powerful enough. Um, so we went and... Do you see the flippant irreverence? If your God can't get it done, what is he acknowledging? He's acknowledging there's many gods. Well, uh, you know, your God should be able to, you know, hey, my t- time's valuable. Time is money. I, I know what he's spending more than an hour in church, you know? You got, I mean, a Mormon, you know, they they spend three hours in church. Well, I usually do a three-hour study every week. So, I mean, you know, it, it's just, he's very irreverent and flippant with the way he goes about things, which doesn't really surprise me. My daughter, who has cerebral palsy, she went, and, you know, the kids weren't really digging the church tour thing. We were walking out, and my, uh, my daughter uh, said, um, you know, I'd like, can we, can we come back there? And... My wife and I stopped dead in our tracks and said, what? And she said, it just feels so warm inside. And so we started to, uh, we started to go. And- okay, so it sounds to me that the main reason they ended up going back is because their daughter asked them to go back there because she felt warm inside. The Bible says the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? He who trusteth in his own heart is a fool. He let his daughter and essentially... You know, he acknowledged himself as spineless. His wife said, if we don't find a religion we share together, I'm not going to marry you. And he went, they sounded like the reason he started going was on behest of his daughter because of the way she felt in her heart. doesn't matter what the Bible says or what scripture says or what God says. It was all based on the heart and all on the feelings. I mean, this is, this is insanity. And because, you know, we figured, okay, well, the kids like it. And uh, it was about six months later that I was... Um, sitting in a 
in a meeting, and uh, one of the guys who I dubbed the Amazing Mr. Plastic Man because he was he was the happiest guy ever to meet us. He was like, "Hey, the first time you met us, oh, I just love you so much." I'm like, "I'll oh, give it a rest, brother. I mean, you'll hate me in ten minutes, please." I spent my whole life hating me, and um, uh, he um, he was talking in Sunday school, and he was talking about the concept which I'd never heard before in Zion, and he said, "How does this, how does this happen? How do we get there?" And uh, he said, I mean, a still powerful memory. He said, uh, the only way this happens is if I truly love you and you truly love me. And we may not agree with each other, but we love each other. And I realized that he was the most genuine person I had ever met. And um, it, was, it was then that I thought, I don't care if there's Kool-Aid down in the basement. I'm drinking it because I want to be. Do you hear what he just said? I don't care if there's Kool-Aid in reference to Jim Jones in Guyana. I don't care if there's poison Kool-Aid in the basement. I'm drinking it. Why? Because of a feeling that he had. Because of what his heart was telling him. Because it felt right. But again, I just said the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know us? We compare these things with the anvil of truth, which is the Bible, to see if they be so. Mormon doctrine contradicts the word of God in thousands of places. So therefore, we do not participate with this death cult. But this guy so overwhelmed him with this Mormon veneer of love that he said, I don't care. I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll sell my soul to, to, to basically be a part of this cult. I don't really care. His, and again, he was there at the church. I've told other people that a lot of times they're in a church... And let's say it's a 501c3 corporate institution, like 99.9% of all churches are in America. I'm not condemning every single one of them. I'm just saying for the most part, they are 501c3. They have to have the right to exist through the government, through the IRS. They are corporations. Their pastors are the CEO and the board of deacons are the directors. And if you don't think that's the case, the IRS will come along and designate that. So they give you your right to exist. Um, a man cannot serve two masters. Anything with two heads is a monster. So you have all these churches across America that are operating under this lukewarm type of religion. You have the Mormons, you have the Jehovah Witnesses, you have a lot of cults around the planet that operate this way. And you go in there and if you sit yourself down in those institutions and you absorb and you put yourself under the headship of a pastor, whether it's a man or a woman or a priest or whoever, the Bible says while they promise them liberty... They themselves are servants of corruption. For of whom a man is overcome, the same he is brought into bondage. When you go into these institutions, I am 100% convinced that slowly, might not happen the first time you go, might not happen even the fifth time, but slowly you're being overcome because you're willingly, voluntarily walking into that building, putting yourself down in that pew, probably paying them money, and you are slowly being overcome on a spiritual level by whatever devils and demons preside over that church. Now, in this particular case, we're talking about a flat-out cult. Okay, I'm not saying that's the case with every single Christian church. But it is kind of weird that the church is so incredibly lukewarm in America, and 99.9% .9 of them are all corporations. 501c3 corporations that have the right to exist through the IRS and the government. Kind of weird, you know? Maybe it is affecting them spiritually. Would they ever acknowledge that? Oh, no, no, never. Well, you know what? I think when we get to heaven, we're going to be in for a lot of surprises. When God undoes the veil and shows us how we were all 
on many levels or some levels being deluded, myself included. I'm not saying that I'm better. I'm just saying that I've identified these things over the years, and it seems pretty obvious to me that this is going on. So, anyway, you got to be real careful where you're planning yourself on a given Sunday or wherever you you choose to uh, go to church. Um, you got to be real careful because of whom a man has overcome, the same he is brought into bondage. Let's go further. I want to be like that, you know. I want to. I want to be able to. Um, genuinely love someone the first time I met them. What a great goal that is. And that's really what changed our life. That's it. I, we were baptized on a... Uh, we were baptized on a... <clears throat> baptized on a Sunday, and on Monday, an agent called me out of the blue. And he said, uh, I hear you're trying to do talk radio. And I said, yeah... And I swear to you, just like this, he said, um, do you know a guy named Gabe Hobbs? And I said, no, I know of him, but I don't know him. He said, somehow or another, he said, we need to connect you with him. He said, he can help you. As he said that, no kidding. <clears throat> my caller ID went off, or my call, my call waiting went off. And I reached over and I said, hang on, just a sec, George. And I said, hello. And he said, uh, the voice on the other said, Glenn Beck. And I said, yes. And he said, this is Gabe Hobbs. And I went back to my agent and he said, wow, do you ever feel like someone upstairs is watching over you? And I said, okay, so Glenn Beck, he's brought to tears here. The man's very good at what he does. Very convincing. I can see why he has a big following. From a worldly standpoint. I mean, he's brought to tears. Now notice, notice the timing. He gets baptized, and then the next day, he gets this call from this guy, and then he says, I need to get you connected with Gabe Hot. Then, as he's talking to the guy, the call ID rings. Now, are you telling me God orchestrated that thing? Well, then who did orchestrate it? Who is the God of the Mormons? Ultimately, who is the, who is the, I mean, I, I mean, granted, you could say Moroni is, but who is on top of Moroni? Satan. When you serve in a cult, ultimately your God is Satan. Because the God of that particular cult ultimately answers to Satan. So don't tell me that God arranged that. And now you have Glenn Beck as a Mormon re- leading literally the religious right of America. The religious right. I mean that right, you know, you got the left and the right. He's pretty much almost in that position now. And ultimately, there's no way you're going to convince me that God orchestrated that. But according to Glenn Beck, you know how many people are going to convert to Mormonism based on Glenn Beck's testimony? Now, we just took a good look at Mormonism. If that's not a foul, blasphemous cult, I don't know what is. But you know what? Satan can reward you. Do you understand that people that are involved in Hollywood, a large percentage of them are Scientologists? And if they veer from Scientology, and if they don't promote Scientology along the way, they can get all their Hollywood contracts taken away from them? I heard there was a rumor like that's why they took Nicole Kidman away or something from Tom Cruise or something. I don't know if there's any truth to it or not, that he had got off the path or whatever. But, you know, you got John Travolta out there, and his career was doing nothing, and then he became a Scientologist, and all of a sudden he's getting all these acting parts. Hollywood is a corrupt cesspool of filth, and they only honor their own, and 
I honestly believe that a lot of Hollywood has different agendas to promote this cult and to promote this cult and that or whatever, or whatever they're trying to promote, whether it be filth or whatever. So again, if you don't listen to this interview with discernment, and you don't really have to read between the lines, it's pretty obvious, but you have to break it down a little bit. You would think, wow, this Mormonism, I might want to give it a try. Hey, I mean, I, I've been out of work for a long time, and I mean, uh, Glenn Beck got a job the next day. What if you converted to Mormonism and the phone rang the next day, just like it did for Glenn Beck? Do you think Satan could orchestrate that in your life? I think he could. I think he could. And you know what? A lot of people... A lot of people will convert to religions based on one experience like this. I know my mom. She was wrapped up in New Age for years. But you know what? My mom had some pretty miraculous things happen to her. She would go to... I was with her one time. We went to this... Uh, this is before I was saved, obviously. But we went to a psychic. And the woman started going around the room and reading everybody's mail. And she got to my mom. And you know what she said to her? I could say... That, I mean, she's passed away now. But she said to her... She says, you've had, you had a miscarriage before your son was born, about a year before your son was born. And she's shaking her head, yes. And I'm looking at my mom in disbelief thinking, when did this happen? You never told me this. And evidently it was a real late term miscarriage, like eighth or ninth month. And she, I forget what else she said to her, but I was absolutely blown away. I was mad at my mom because I'm like thinking, I think it was a boy. I mean, this was my brother that was never born. Had this brother been born, I probably would have not been born because my mom was real pro-abortion. And I wasn't planned either. And I don't know if that, that child was planned, but I know I'm almost positive I wasn't planned. And there was a good chance I would have been aborted, uh, particularly if they already had one child. So, I mean, I have seen stuff like that happen with my mom. And... For a new ager, that's all they need to see. One thing like that. One psychic that gives them the right word. Oh, well, that's real. That's more real than anything I've ever experienced in the Bible will be their excuse, typically. One thing like this for Glenn Beck. He was sold hook, line, and sinker on that two phone calls that he got the next day after he was... Do you don't think Satan can orchestrate something like that? Sure he can. He's good at what he does. He's had thousands of years to perfect his trade. And he's got a whole battalion... Uh, not a battalion, he's got millions of devils and demons to do his bidding. And a guy like Glenn Beck ultimately is going to reach millions. Do you know how people Glenn Beck's going to ultimately end up taking to hell if people buy into his Mormon theology? Or even lukewarm, if, if you would call him a Christian, which a lot of people are at this point. I heard a guy the other day, I couldn't believe that he said this. Uh, somebody I actually respect said that I was listening to Glenn Beck the other day and I've never heard a more clear presentation of the gospel. And I don't care what you say about him. And I thought, oh my word. I mean, I, I just, I cannot believe what is coming out of the mouth of some of the people that, um, to be quite honest with you, I respected uh, at one time, and yet it seems like apostasy is just permeating through the body of Christ, even on people that I, you know, at one time really respected and gleaned and garnered a lot of knowledge from. It's a very scary thing. And this is why I think it's very important for us to maintain humility before God. Um, you know, again, lest Satan get an advantage of us, lest we think more highly of ourselves than we ought. We need to consider the pit from whence we were dug. And, and not to be 
high and mighty, thinking we're better or whatever. And, and of course, a lot of people say that I come off that way. I think I'm, no, I don't think I'm better. I think all I deserve apart from Jesus Christ is death and hell. I was caught in a lot of this garbage at one time in my life, so I am righteous and indignant over it. And no, I don't want Glenn Beck to go to hell. And no, I don't want the Mormons to go to hell. But the bottom line is, is if they're not exposed, they're going to end up taking a lot of people to hell with them. So do we sit back and just say nothing? And let them brainwash people and don't, you know, fight. Now, I understand my ministry is more of a watchman type. It's not the same for everybody. That we're not all called to do the same things in the body of Christ. Can the finger say to the eye, depart of me, I have no need of you? We're all uh, different and special in the body of Christ. So we just need to be faithful with whatever God's given us and done for us. But a guy like Glenn Beck's going to take millions of people to hell. And um, I'm just here to, to try to stop as much of that as, as possible. Okay, so we were having kind of a roundtable discussion about this whole thing with Glenn Beck, and uh, the point was brought up, where is his conversion to Jesus Christ? Was Jesus Christ even mentioned here? All it was was this this heart thing where he wanted to have a love like this one guy. I guess this one guy was the linchpin for his conversion after he was baptized in the Mormon church. Uh, Nothing about conversion to Christ, nothing about biblical things. It was just purely some heartfelt decision that he made. That was all it was. It was nothing more than that. And then um, Taylor brought up a great point about last week's quotes from him, where he flat out stated on the radio, I played the quotes, where he basically said, I didn't think it was possible for me to hate the 9-11 victims any more than, than I already do. And I mean, I was absolutely speechless after he said that. And then he said, and then how much he hates the Katrina victims in New Orleans. Because the people that were in Mississippi and Alabama, they weren't getting the same press as the scumbags, as he said, of the victims that were caught in New Orleans. He called them scumbags. Okay, so I mean, you know, where's this love that he's exemplifying here? I just don't see that. I don't see that, you know. <laughs> but anyway, let's. Uh, there's just a little bit left that's what started all and we uh, we have been i just you know we just feel we are just so greatly blessed every step of the way changed everything um i was a hard drinking hard living hard talking um man i uh, uh okay so let's just go ahead and, and stop there but again he said it changed everything and i see a lot of demonic orchestration on behalf of Satan and his minions, in order to get Glenn converted into this religion, I, I told you the basis upon it, he was converted to what had nothing to do with Jesus Christ. It was basically, i got to get a religion to appease my wife, she'll, she'll marry me. And then my little girl says she wants to go here. And then he goes and off the basis of one man who he felt exemplified love, well, I want to convert and I want that, and I don't care if I have to drink the poison Kool-Aid in order to do it. Well, a lot of the people at um, with Jim Jones did drink the poison Kool-Aid, and they plunged into hell, unfortunately, because they were involved in this cult. And that was an incredibly sad, terrible, horrific thing. But a lot of people are plunging into hell because of this death cult as well. So, again, I just thought that this was something we needed to touch upon again. Now, the next article that we have here is entitled, Glenn Beck, Kingdom Theology, Temple of Antichrist. This is a new DVD that Pastor Mike Hogger just 
Pastor Mike Hogger just came out with. And I'll just read you the excerpt. For those of you who have doubts about Glenn Beck, this video is a must-see. Pastor Hogger reveals the hidden and subtle agenda behind the Divine Destiny Rally in Washington, D.C., including the date of the rally, the location of the rally, and the purpose behind the rally. Pastor Hoggard also unveils the amazing truth about the occult symbolism of the Lincoln Memorial, dedicated on May 1st, 1922, which is the satanic holiday called Beltane, uh, which is also... That's May Day. And it's also a, that particular satanic holiday is a night of high human, human sacrifice in the satanic religion. They sacrifice humans on that night. It's one of the highest ones of the whole year. Uh, the Lincoln Memorial was a model of the Temple of Zeus. It's hidden uh, 10 pillars coupled with the 36 outside pillars equals the Masonic number of 46, the number of the double helix. Finally, Pastor shows the encoding of the number of the beast in the design of the Lincoln Memorial. Uh, I was just informed that if you go to Pastor Mike Hoggard's website, I don't know what that is, but you can do a keyword search, you can actually watch that whole presentation for free online. Now, you can pay for the DVD. I think it's like $15 um, to get it as well through Cutting Edge, and I do give you the link for that. The next thing they're selling is the truth behind Joel's army, Sarah Palin, and the fallen angels of Revelation 9. This is also another uh, presentation by Pastor Mike Hoggard. This starts out, says, What on earth does Joel's army, Sarah Palin, and the fallen angels foretold in Revelation 9 have to do with one another? Pastor Hoggard reveals the startling truth behind a movement that is making huge inroads into the charismatic neo-Pentecostal movement in America and around the world. This movement is called Joel's army. It's being promoted by many, including Rick Joyner, who is also Pastor Hoggard, who also, as Pastor Hoggard proves, is a member of the Catholic Knights of Malta organization. Um, now, these are the guys that they make malted milk, uh, milkshakes. Really good ones. That's why they call them the Knights of Malta. I'm just kidding. Sorry, teasing. Anyway, uh, let's go further. But it's a very, very satanic organization, high-level Illuminati. And uh, let's go further here. Joiner, Sarah Palin, and others are teaching untold thousands about a new breed that is going to take over the kingdom and give it to Jesus. This heresy is called dominionism. And this is the fatal foundation on which President Bush based his Iraqi and Afghan uh, evasions with the full support of thousands of Christian pastors. Pastor Hoggard also reveals that the army mentioned in the book of Joel is a perfect match for the fallen angels that are released in Revelation 9. Now, I haven't watched it yet, but it looked pretty good, so I went ahead and listed it up here. I also gave you my two teachings, or my teaching on dominionism, it's entitled Dominionism, Kingdom Now, Reconstructionism, Theonomy Exposed, because a lot of that falls under the same classification. I've done a whole series on that. Uh, something that's very, very important, uh, a lot of the mainstream church is, is, is um, going and moving toward this. Uh, a lot of the uh, more extreme elements believe that the Re book of Revelation will essentially be done away with, that the church will become so wonderful and so good as it's becoming now, that Jesus will have no choice but to come back and set his throne up on planet Earth because we've done such a wonderful job of preparing the way. I mean, this is the delusional state that the church is in here. Now, just so you know, um, I do have an attachment here. It's about a four-page attachment on Sarah Palin because I did mention that up there. And just this is from Cutting Edge as well. Uh, you can go up there and search for Sarah Palin on Cutting Edge. The first article was Governor Sarah Palin twice honored Prince Hall uh, Freemasons with official state proclamations. I'll give you all the, the links to that. Uh, and then they, they do a whole 
we do a whole study on that particular thing. Uh, there's just some things to be aware of uh, regarding uh, Sarah Palin. Uh, here's another one. Palin is exuberant and all smiles for her meeting with mass murderer Henry Kissinger. Palin throwing out the devil's sign with her hand. Uh, speaking of her water baptism at a young age, Sarah Palin said as a young kid, middle school and middle school age kid, she figured she'd really, it'd really be smart to dedicate herself to something bigger than she is. And then she, and then this goes on to say something, a rather cold way to refer to her savior, Lord and her Lord Jesus Christ. But of course, she's not a born again believer. Uh, she knew she wouldn't be able to handle all that was laid out in front of her in life. She needed a strong faith in the, her creator to fulfill her destiny, trying to make the world a bit better for others. Palin attempted to establish herself as sent by God to work her magic on the world. Now, there's a whole bunch of um, links here that I guess what I can do is just post this document in the PDF and it'll be up there with this. This is going to be a pretty gigantic document I end up putting up there for this teaching. But I will put this. I'm not going to get into the Sarah Palin stuff because I wasn't prepared to. Just want you to understand, anybody at that level that has achieved that level of popularity or whatever, you know, you don't get to that level unless you sold out on, on many other different levels. It just doesn't happen by chance. You just can't be a good person to get to that level. Um, so... Maybe at one time, maybe, maybe that was possible. I don't know. But with the way the Illuminati is and the way that they control politicians like puppets on a string, you have to be very, very, very careful who you're putting your trust in in any way, shape, or form in today's day and age. Um, it's just the world's been so corrupted that um, even if it sounds really, really great, you have, to, you have to really check out the person that you're following um, because chances are there's going to be a lot of bad stuff that you're going to uncover. And that was the case with Sarah Palin as well. Um, let's go ahead and end this part and we'll go to part three.